Since 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been committed to improving the lives of America's veterans, first responders, and their families. For over 20 years, the foundation has helped America keep its solemn promise to never forget. Tunnel to Towers provides mortgage-free homes to Gold Star families and the families of fallen first responders with young children and builds specially adapted smart homes for catastrophically injured veterans, as well as work to eradicate veteran homelessness. David Marshall served in the Army during World War II and fought in the Battle of the Bulge. He's never forgotten the sacrifices of his comrades in arms, nor the efforts of first responders on 9-11 and in the days and months that followed. He is a loyal and proud Foundation donor. Tunnel to Towers is committed to supporting veterans, first responders, and their families, and so many of them need your help. Join the Foundation on its mission to do good and never forget. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. You're listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Buck Brief. On this episode, our friend Oren McIntyre is back to talk about everything going on in the GOP primary and the looming general election. Plus, you know, America, the border, whatever else we get into with the time we have. He's the host of the Oren McIntyre show at The Blaze. Oren, um, is it let me start with some of the the high level or, you know, 30,000 foot stuff. Is this primary already over or do you still think that we could see some things change? It does feel like it's already over. I mean, in some ways, these debates feel like we're just listening in on the kids table. Trump's ahead by such a wide margin in pretty much every area in most states. It's really going to be some kind of catastrophe needs to occur for any of these people to kind of be relevant. Of course, the fact that the president is under indictment and does have or the former president rather uh, does have all of these possible legal complications against him. That's kind of the reason it seems like this continues to go on. But I don't think that anyone's going to win in a, in the primary over him unless he's in some way restricted from running a full campaign. Now, what do you think about the others who are at least still in the mix here after the most recent debate in Tuscaloosa 
Haley, Christie, and DeSantis, have they been helping themselves recently? Do you think that they're building out their brands? Like, what, what do you think? How, how would you assess each one of the next? Oh, I'm sorry. And Ramaswamy of, of the next tier of candidates. Well, you know what? We can forget. Christie's not. He's yeah, probably not. <laughs> we could forget Christie. Fine. Yeah. Haley, Ramaswamy, DeSantis. What's your take on where they are in this whole situation? Well, obviously, DeSantis was kind of the front runner for non-Trump candidates. And the big story of this whole campaign has really been the failure of him to catch any traction. The fact that he was tied with Ramaswamy at one point. Now he's more or less tied with Haley, losing to both of those candidates at different times. I mean, he should have far and away been the clear uh, front runner besides Trump throughout this whole thing. And instead, he seems to have kind of flailed in all of these situations. I think he still looks good in a de- in a decent number of answers. I think he's still the most put together guy and the best second option after Trump. But it does feel like that's just he never really caught fire. And this could end up damaging his ambition ambitions if he ends up not taking this particular campaign with Haley. Obviously, she's in this weird scenario where it feels like she's running for the establishment or the neoconservative vote. She's very unlikable with most of the base, but she still has a lot of the institutional support, even when it comes to some Democrats. She's every uh, New York Times columnist, favorite GOP candidate at this point. And then Ramaswamy feels like he's just doing his best Trump impression, which is pretty good on the stage. It gets him a lot of kind of fiery debate moments, but he's also he doesn't have the ability to kind of play it off and be as playful when he's doing the insults and going hard after people the way that Trump did. So he doesn't have that endearing quality, and I think that does hurt him a little bit, even though he's saying a lot of the right thing. Now, if if you had to pick one idea, policy idea, that has emerged from the, honestly, any of the recent debates, but you know the most recent one I think is the only one you or I can probably remember in any detail, but was there anything that came up where you said, we need that on the national stage to be, you know, the, the the way forward, whether it's Trump or anybody else who's carrying that mantle, like whether it's on the you know, the border or crime or the economy. Was there anything you heard you said that needs to be something that we all get behind going forward? Yeah, Other than the obvious, right? I, I mean, something that's new, something that was kind of a breakthrough idea. I don't think there's anything that completely shook the stage, but I do think there were a couple of highlights. First, it was nice to hear DeSantis talk about forcing the colleges to back their loans, their student Mm, loans. I think that's a good message. A a lot of people want to just say, well, force all these kids to pay their student loans no matter what. And yeah, I get it. I understand kind of that approach. I don't want to be paying student loans for these people either. But we need to hold the universities accountable. These are people who have built the students for millions and millions of dollars, and they really should be the ones that end up paying for this if anybody does. So that was a really nice thing to hear from him. It was nice also to hear both him and Ramaswamy talking about the importance of internet anonymity against Haley. They both went after her uh, during the debate on that issue. That was very nice to see. And then it was very nice to see Vivek being willing to talk about replacement level migration and the role it plays in the Democrats plan. That's a taboo subject. It's something a lot of people won't touch. And Vivek went right at it during the debate. So I think that all of those were promising. None of those are ground-shaking policy uh, pr- you know, prescriptions right away, but it was nice to see them come up, even though this isn't maybe the most important debate, given you know the fact that Trump is leading as far out as he is. 
Do you think Trump is even going to debate once between now and the general election uh, day, meaning against a Republican or a Democrat? Or do you think that he's just going to let people you know, vote for him and, and he's going to run the campaign as he, as he sees fit without showing up to any actual debates, whether against a Republican or a Republican or a Democrat? I think he's certainly not going to show up to any Republican debates and really tactically there's no reason for him to. He's so far ahead that the only thing he can do is grant legitimacy to the other people running by showing up. He, he's just la- lapping the competition without having to even be in the room. So there's really no reason tactically, again, for him to do that. People might want him to do so on principle, might say he owes it to the voters. But from a strategy viewpoint, there's just no reason for him to do so. Once it comes to the general election, yeah, I think he will do that if for no other reason that he shines, especially if he's going to if he could get on a stage with Biden. I think in Biden's current state, it would be pretty easy to to look good in that situation. So should that moment come, I, I think that he will. But when it comes to the primary, no, there's no reason for him to be in the room with with anyone else at this point. Let's dive into immigration, which came up during the debate. But, you know, I think most importantly, well, I would argue it's it's probably the biggest issue in the country right now in terms of the long-term impact and the amount of things that it touches on. We'll get to that with Warren McIntyre here in one second. Um, you want to have good towels at home, obviously, but you want them to be both soft and absorbent, right? And that's what's tough. A lot of them are absorbent, but not very soft. Or some of them are kind of really soft, but they don't absorb the water well. My towels from my pillow, they got them both soft and absorbent. You can get the new My Towels from MyPillow with a 60-day money-back guarantee. Get two two months to try them, but you're not going to need those two months because once you try them, you're going to absolutely love them. I've got them here at home. They're phenomenal. Get a six-piece set for an amazing introductory sale price as low as $29.98 with my name as the promo code. Get the designer premium line for just $20 more. That's 50% in savings whether you go for just the standard or you get the premium designer line. Go to MyPillow.com. Click on the radio listener special square. Check out the new My Towel six-piece towel set, 50% in savings. That's MyPillow.com. Click on the radio listener special square. Use promo code BUCK, and you will get 50% off the My Towels. Get yourself some new towels. Your towels probably are old, probably aren't that soft, aren't that absorbent anymore. You need to update them every year or two. Get yourself a six-piece towel set or two right now. All right, Oren, the number that we're, ta- that we're seeing these days, it's going to be close to 8 million illegals entering the country under Biden in his first term, if it's not already 8 million, which it might be if you add up the gotaways, 8 million people. That is more than the population of many states. In the, you know, it's more than the Dakotas. It's more than a lot of states in New, you know, uh, states in New England. And I mean, a lot of states. Um, when is the GOP, you think, going to approach this issue with real urgency? Never. And that's a huge problem. That tells you something about the GOP. There's a really serious issue happening on the American border, of course, with security and everything else. But what the Democratic Party knows is that it's permanently changing the demographic makeup of the United States in a way that it secures its electoral majority. They are importing, like you said, basically a blue state just by itself during the Biden presidency. And that's going to shift things. They know that, yes, you know, the, maybe not all of these immigrants will vote monolithically forever. We have seen Hispanics move towards the GOP in places like Florida over time, which is a good thing. But they know that for generations, they're going to have an electoral advantage by opening the borders up the way that they are. That should be an existential crisis 
or an opposing political party. If the GOP was a serious opposition party, it would recognize this as a complete uh, devastating issue when it comes to their ability to win elections. But they're not addressing it seriously, and I don't know that they ever will. But we desperately need someone, too, because, like you said, this is the issue. If you can't seal this border, if you can't stop this invasion, then you can't win elections. And that means that you simply have no voice inside what is supposed to be a democratic republic. And I I just wonder, you know, how long we're going to continue to hear that we're going to secure the border, whether, you know, DeSantis talks about it, Trump talks about it. Now, people point out Trump was certainly much better than Biden on the border, but it wasn't an entirely secure border. There was more wall, more things to be done. Now, for the Trump voters that I know, they say, right, exactly. That's why he needs four more years. Okay, well, we can discuss that further, but it's more than just any one thing, right? I mean, and, and I th- I would argue the biggest thing is that you need to change the incentive structure for people coming here illegally, meaning that they don't think they're going to get to stay if they come illegally, which means you turn them back or you deport them. Uh, does anyone in the GOP, I mean, I, I, Trump says he's going to be mass deportations. De- DeSantis, I think, is there. But what about the members of Congress? You know, it, it strikes me that they're all going to just get Chamber of Commerce money and, you know, decide the donor class likes the cheap labor. I, I worry that the GOP is going to betray the base on this. I mean, not like that would be the first time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, very pretty common occurrence there. I think you're right. Unfortunately, look, people are talking a good game. Like you said, uh, Vivek was talking about uh, deputizing or allowing the different uh, state uh, state uh, law enforcement agencies to enforce border law, immigration law, which would be great. You had DeSantis talking about taxing remittances to places like Mexico, which I think would be great. This should be an all of the above type strategy move here, right? Everything should be a full court press. But the question is, would congressional Republicans actually do any of this? And the answer seems to be no, which is why I think it's very critical for GOP governors actually to take the lead on this. Guys like DeSantis should be taking the lead in their own states to do as much as possible. That's why I think that governorships are so critical right now, even probably more than control of things like the national legislature, because let's just be honest, the national GOP is so corrupt, they're not going to take action. We need action directly from executives at state levels. A lot of people are uncomfortable with that. I understand, but I think that's what it's going to take to get this kind of thing done. Before we uh, dive into the Ivy League presidents that have to walk back what they said uh, before Congress on the issue of anti-Semitism on campus, Um, We're going to get to that in just a second. But first up, you know, these days in the country, if wokeness decides to target you, it can destroy your livelihood, your reputation. It can bankrupt you. Uh, So what can you do out there to protect your essential constitutional liberties? Right. Because even if you're fine, even if you didn't do anything wrong, by the time you defend yourself in court, you may have nothing left. That's where Patriot Defender comes in. Because if you speak up at a school board meeting, you're opposed to vaccine mandates, or you're just expressing your First or Second Amendment rights, for example, you're concealed carrying and you have to defend yourself, Patriot Defender is a membership organization that has your back. They will provide you with legal assistance targeted by the IRS because of your views. You're an entity, you're an individual. Patriot Defender can have your back. If your business, your income, or your reputation are harmed due to the weaponization of government, which is happening so much these days, you now have a no-cost legal defense from Patriot Defender, but you have to become a member. The website is patriotdefender.com. That's patriotdefender, 
Com. This is the only membership organization out there that goes beyond just defense for concealed carry weapons. Patriot Defender will cover what others won't to protect you, your family, your livelihood, and your fundamental freedoms and liberties. All right, Oren, um, we've already seen, so that the head of the University of Pennsylvania and Ivy League school says it's not a violation of the school's terms of service, uh, or, you know, sorry, not terms of service, uh, code of <laughs> conduct, terms of service like an internet thing, uh, code of conduct to call for the genocide of the Jews, which I think a lot of people just jaws hit the ground. They said, really? Really? Now she's walked that back and said, oh, of course, of course it would. What has happened here? I mean, in terms of the anti-Semitism on campuses, it seems like the left has been almost caught surprised by how anti-Semitic some parts of the left are. You know what I mean? I mean, they shouldn't be. This is a natural progression of what's been happening on campuses for a very long time. These decolonization uh, type rhetoric that's been going through this neo-Marxist rhetoric that's been going through has been targeting Western people, especially people of European descent. They have been talking about the danger of whiteness, how whites are going to destroy things, how the things need to become less white for a very long time. This kind of rhetoric has been engaged on uh, college campuses by professors, by activists for many years. And they just happen to finally include Jewish people in this categorization. It's terrible. Obviously, they should not be allowed to speak about any group this way, be it whites or Jewish people or anyone else. But this is simply an extension of the logic they already had. And of course, when you're importing a large number of people from areas of the world that have been in conflict with Jewish people for a very long time, you can't be surprised when this kind of ideology shows up in force at your universities. It, it's gross, but I don't think anyone should really be surprised if they've been paying any attention to the way the logic has been moving. Do you think that anything's going to change? I mean, one part of this is it feels to me like they're doing public relations cleanup for these presidents and their universities, but I don't think they're really going to crack down on this, right? So if anything, maybe it dies down on its own in time, depending on what happens you know, in the war with uh, Hamas that Israel's waging. But I, I don't think that there's going to be some big change in the mentality on these campuses. Or, or do you think the administrations are going to be worried enough about losing donor uh, dollars and, and just support from a whole lot of folks, including very prominent members of the Jewish American community, that they, that they will do something? You know what I mean? Do you think that they clean up this madness or they're just going let to it, let it go? No, I think they're going to knuckle under to this. I mean, I, I think that the, the woke vanguard of the left is beating the institutional mainstream left right now. The mainstream institutional left was the part that supported Israel or had deference for uh, Jewish people. That is not the case of the, with the new crop of the left. I don't think that the same sympathies exist. I think that, again, the, the makeup, the demographic makeup of the more radical part of the left is decidedly against the state of Israel. And I think that they are the ones who have won kind of the internecine conflicts inside the left over and over again. I think being against the vanguard of the left is a terrible place to be because the revolution is ongoing. And I don't think that the university presidents are going to stand up against it. They haven't stood up against any other part of the revolution. I don't think this is going to be different. You know, it's really cold in some parts of the country right now, folks. It's a time when you might be considering, hey, where can I get away? It's going to be warm. It's going to be beautiful. Now, let me relax for a few days, maybe a week or two, maybe longer. Belize is a wonderful country. Uh, great beaches, incredible jungles, ancient Mayan ruins. I mean, there's so much cool stuff to see and do in Belize. And there are amazing 
real estate projects that are going on right now, including the Marriott residences at Belize Ambergris K. You need to check this out for yourself because once you see this property, it's being built right now, you're going to say, wow, hold on a second. I can get a great price on beachfront, beachfront real estate in a stable, English-speaking, Caribbean, uh, Caribbean adjacent, it's in, you know, sort of Caribbean country. Um, you know, it's in Central America, but you look out on the Gulf of Mexico, and it, Belize is phenomenal. I mean, it's just a beautiful place. So you should go check it out right now. Go to BelizeIsFun.com. Check out this project for yourself. BelizeIsFun.com is the website. Once you see this uh, real estate opportunity and the chance to be able to own a little piece of your own, a little place of your own in Belize right on the waterfront, um, amazing amenities, you're going to love it. BelizeIsFun.com is that website. All right, or I need you to weigh in. First of all, where can people go to uh, watch and hear your various student analysis? Just theblaze.com? Yeah, of course, I'm on Blaze TV over there. You can read my pieces at theblaze.com. And, of course, you can subscribe to the R. McIntyre Show. It's on all your favorite podcast platforms, YouTube, all that stuff. All right, before I let you go, I just need to know, I need you to settle a debate that I'm having with my uh, esteemed co-host, Mr. Clay Travis. You only get one for life, sir. Salsa or queso? Oh, queso. That's not even close. A hundred percent. I wasn't even going to win. A hundred percent. I'm going to tell Clay. I'm going to play this one on the air for him, too. A hundred. You, you, me, Jesse Kelly, we're all saying on this one. Clay's a crazy man. Oren, thanks so much for making the time. Good to see you. Thanks for having me, man. Thank you. Since 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been committed to improving the lives of America's veterans, first responders, and their families. For over 20 years, the foundation has helped America keep its solemn promise to never forget. Tunnel to Towers provides mortgage-free homes to Gold Star families and the families of fallen first responders with young children and builds specially adapted smart homes for catastrophically injured veterans, as well as work to eradicate veteran homelessness. David Marshall served in the Army during World War II and fought in the Battle of the Bulge. He's never forgotten the sacrifices of his comrades in arms, nor the efforts of first responders on 9-11 and in the days and months that followed. He is a loyal and proud Foundation donor. Tunnel to Towers is committed to supporting veterans, first responders, and their families, and so many of them need your help. Join the Foundation on its mission to do good and never forget. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's Reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. 
People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.